Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, Agency Owner? If you're new here, I've got a free ebook on how to scale your business to multiple six and even seven figures by overcoming your dependency on referrals, doubling your profit per project, and removing yourself as the main bottleneck in your business. All you have to do is DM me the word gift on Facebook at Brent Weaver. That's facebook.com slash Brent Weaver. And I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in business and life. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver. And today we're hanging out with Jeffrey Cologne. Jeffrey is a compelling voice in marketing and the head of brand studio at Microsoft Advertising. He has been featured in lots of places, Business Insider, Fast Company, The Huffington Post, The Guardian, Wall Street Journal, Billboard Magazine, Adweek, Entrepreneur, Cheddar, and so many more places. And he's he's very revered on LinkedIn. So if you haven't yet followed Jeffrey on LinkedIn, if you don't want to, if you want to be, uh, you want to see how it's done on LinkedIn, get some marketing insights, definitely make sure you uh, you jump in there and follow Jeffrey. Welcome to the program, man. Hey, thanks for having me, Brent. Glad to be here. So uh, what got you into marketing? Like why, uh, why has this become your, a, a big part of your, uh, your career? Yeah, I mean, I didn't really know what I ever wanted to do in, in life, Brent. I was into so many different things. I was, you know, an artist, a musician. I uh, ran a bunch of small businesses. Um, I went to school for, you know, communications, but I wondered if I should have majored in, you know, engineering or philosophy. I mean, I was into lots of just different things in, in life, but I, I think I really got into marketing you know, when I when I graduated from college, I started a small business with a with a creative friend of mine, and we realized, you know, running a business isn't just running the business, but also growing the business. And we just always came up with really interesting ideas that everyone would say, you know, it's what you're doing is very different from what everyone else is doing out there, but it worked. And I think uh, just over time, I've become more passionate about you know, marketing and all of the things that it involves, all the intersection with technology and media, all of the uh, creativity that, um, you know, is at your fingertips in terms of using that to grow a business. Uh, so, you know, I think the, the the passion of mine in terms of, you know, the arts and technology and marketing you know, I guess I've brought me to an interesting place in terms of you know where I've worked over my career, both on the agency side and on the brand side, and uh, as you know, as, self, as a sole proprietor as well. You know, uh, 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 in my career, so sort of feel like I've worn lots of different hats. What was that first business, uh, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, no. Uh, if this was a this was a business in the. Uh, Late 1990s, after college, uh, you know, we I, I built and designed websites uh, with a with a friend of mine, uh, and from that, uh, it actually led to some interesting consulting work on the restaurant entertainment side of the spectrum because restaurants 
would come to us and say, we need a website. And then before we knew it, we were actually consulting them in other areas of their business. So I think it's really interesting there, you know, Brent, when people say like, you're not a vertical specialist, you don't know what you're talking about. I have to ignore a lot of those people. I think it's interesting when you come from an outsider's perspective in any business, uh, you're not necessarily a know-it-all or, 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 or someone that you could say, hey, I'm an expert, but at least you can lend you know, your point of view on uh, on some of those areas. And, you know, we've seen that quite a bit, you know, everything from healthcare to financial investing to some other areas. You have a lot of people who are outsiders saying, you know, how do we do it in maybe a different way and have the tools to sort of go and build those solutions. So I think we're living in interesting times right now. What happened to that web company? Well, like anything, you know, you build, you build it, make some revenue, um, and then you you parlay it into something else. We never sold it off. We just got into different things. That was just you know part of like where life was. Um, I, I think my background there. There were just a lot of other uh, companies in the New York tech startup scene that were like, "Hey, we like your background. Could you know you want to come work for us?" And so you parlay a lot of those uh, you know th- these businesses into other opportunities. That's the story never told. I think you know, Brent. You always hear the story of like. Hey, we built this up to like some gazillion dollar business and sold it off. Not really. That's not always what ends up happening. A lot of them fail. But also the great thing is you learn things and then someone's like, hey, I actually have a job. If you'd like it, why don't you come on board full time and and do that? Those are those are the more interesting stories I think we should be, you know, talking about with, you know, why people do what they what they do in terms of wanting to do things that they're they're interested in. I mean, I, I, certainly more common than I think the big exit, right? We like to glorify the like, be an entrepreneur, get on the cover of a magazine, you know, sell your business yeah. for eight or nine figures. But I mean, the reality, I mean, the stats don't back up that that's likely. There's not much econometric data that supports that. But, you know, I think if you can have a sustainable business, I always look at my grandparents. They had small businesses and they ran them forever from, you know, basically until they quote, end quote, decided to retire or passed away, they loved, you know, running a small business. So I think that was part of their, you know, sort of like lineage. They felt like they had autonomy. They had control of the of their business. They liked working with different people. I mean, you know, my, my great-grandfather, you know, his business was, you know, really farming uh, and, and he really enjoyed doing that. It's a very difficult business. And then on the other side of the family, I mean, I had tons of relatives in everything from you know, running, you know, dry cleaners to laundromats to small markets to pizza shops, you know, you name it. I mean, that was sort of what uh, they enjoyed doing. And I, I think it's interesting to see we're maybe going full circle again, where, you know, small business really ran much of the economy for a long period of time. Then you got into sort of this mall uh, area where like, you know, Big malls sort of ran everything. And then online, uh, big online commerce ran everything. And now there's the ability for small online commerce to run things. My, ne- my next thing is like, you know, are we going to be in a world where just like everyone sort of does what they want to do and offers some of those services to others and then just sort of does what's necessary? Again, I, I don't have a future lens, but it looks like more and more the economy is is moving in that direction, especially with seeing a lot of people this past year 
quit their company jobs just to sort of go solo uh, into you know a world that's a lot. Uh, I should say it's very vague and ambiguous, but they're taking the plunge. Hey, what's up, agency owners? I want to let you know about a hosting platform that is giving digital agencies and creators around the world an edge when it comes to site speed, scalability, and profit. It's called Cloudways, and it's designed to create exceptional experiences for you and your clients that guarantees unmatched performance, reliability, and choice with 24-7 award-winning support. Cloudways is excited to offer our listeners a $50 hosting credit in addition to their amazing benefits of their agency partner program. For more details, head over to yougurus.com slash cloudways or use promo code DASCW when signing up. Let's get back to our show. There's definitely, I mean, hopefully more more small businesses are uh, are being created. We just had David Baker on, uh, who's a who's a, a pretty good name in our, our space, and he's only one in 400 agencies uh, successfully exits. So yeah. I think yeah. that goes in line with what, with what some of the stuff that we were just talking about. So talk to me a little bit about what, I mean, I think a lot of our audience is, has, has interacted with Microsoft advertising at some level, but maybe just kind of take us into the present. What are you, what's your current role with Microsoft and, uh, what are the, what are the types of projects you're working on? Yeah. I mean, you know, being head of a brand studio was really, it's sort of like a two-folds uh, opportunity. One is, you know, understanding the sort of dynamics of where brands are, where what they're doing and where they're going. That allows you to better understand the advertising solutions or the marketing solutions that they're seeking. And then the second one is really understanding, you know, what's the creative work that you do to sort of amplify out there for your business so you can attract more customers. I think the day and age of just, you know, doing one thing at a job is probably like long past us. Uh, you know, more and more companies want to converge most positions. You know, I talked a lot about this in my 2016 book, Disruptive Marketing. You don't really have producers and editors anymore. You have producers meet, joining with editors or what we call predators, uh, you know, in, in the, in the uh, job. You're producing and editing a lot of your own material. And we've seen this really rise to the top with the fact that YouTube and TikTok have become so popular over the last couple of years, or the last decade in some respects. So those are those are that's going to have a hand, I think, on any sort of role that you do in marketing now. Uh, you're also seeing the convergence of marketing and and sales a lot more. You know, I think a really interesting thing is is the differentiation is really something we have to unlearn. Uh, sales has always been looked at as this cost generator and and marketing has always been looked at as sort of this, you know, hey, you, you're costing us a lot of money. And that needs to be flipped on its head. I mean, if you get rid of marketing, you don't really have a lot of long-term sales, it, you know, down the funnel or in the long run for any size business that you, that you do. At the same time, you need sales to help close a lot of these deals. So I think you're going to see more of a convergence there. And I think agencies play a big part in terms of figuring out exactly how to set that up, that sort of experience. But uh, I think, you know, in terms of the brand studio really being top of mind on, you know, where technology is going, where media is going, where marketing is going, because all those influence one another. And that obviously influences, you know, the products that you can, you can bring to market. In terms of you being able to bring those ideas into Microsoft to be able to help improve the product or help improve the experience for like yeah. actual clients that are are advertising on the platform. 
Yeah, I think both. You know, how do you inform engineering teams to make better decisions on what they build, and then also clients as well. Hey, what solutions can we make sure you're aware of as you establish sort of an omni-channel presence out there? I mean, we now know that just sinking all of your budget into one area is not going to necessarily be as helpful as diversifying what your marketing portfolio or marketing mix is. Mm. Yeah. What, I mean, obviously platforms like, you know, Facebook uh, and Google have taken a large share of digital ad dollars. Uh, they've also done things in terms of tracking and privacy that maybe would make most people cringe if they knew kind of what they were what they were doing. What's your take on kind of the future of of digital advertising? I mean, is it is it that we're all going to be in the metaverse with Mark Zuckerberg and his wakeboard on his whatever you know in his little virtual world or you know, is 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 you know intent based search still like huge? I mean, what's kind of the, what's Microsoft's perspective in terms of a future of advertising? I mean, I think intent based search will never really go away. The signals might go away when you think about it, Brent. I mean, uh, decision that was made just this week from uh, you know out of Europe in terms of the you know GDPR. They've stated, you know, all the agreement spam that you get on a site. So do you accept cookies or reject them? Now what's basically happened is they've said that uh, you can't even have that data stored anywhere. That needs to be, you know, deleted or thrown away. That gives less signals to a lot of advertisers who've used much of that in their cookies-enabled advertising so, Wait, where, so, where so if somebody comes to a website and they say, I agree to being tracked and followed and whatever. Correct. They've that now said. That needs to be deleted now. That decision just came through this week. That's like actually breaking news out of Europe. Uh, Brussels uh, sort of decided, Belgium decided, hey, can't, can't track this. This sort of goes against, you know, GDPR. I'm sure it'll be appealed. But that's, you know, the reality is the cookie is crumbling and at a faster rate than ever before. So where that where that leaves us is, you know, hey, what is the future going to be much more of one that has less context in it, more general awareness for some companies that want to advertise out there? At the same time, we're also shifting into some of these new worlds that you're talking about. But the interesting thing about that is, I think a lot of companies want to build those experiences more than advertisers are really ready for them. And that is based on the fact that, you know, we're still in a pandemic or coming out of a pandemic. And a lot of people, I think, have tired of looking or experiencing a number of things that are purely digital. My bet, if it were up to me, and this is just my opinion, is that companies should actually hedge more in these areas that map physical with digital. Because if we look at the next six months, let's say, or the next year, people are going to want to go out and explore a lot more. They're, they are going to want to go out and do a lot of things that they haven't been able to do for two years. So that opens up an entire gateway. But at the same time, you want to be able to map that back to sort of a physical activation. So we could see experiential marketing being massive over the next year in ways that maybe we never thought would be big. But I do think, you know, the metaverse obviously is the future of marketing. It's just that it's not evenly distributed. These aren't necessarily ready to 
bank or bet all their infrastructure in that area. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I know that there was I can't remember, I was trying to look for it on my phone, but I know there was something about the the data flowing from the EU to the US was challenged in one of the European countries and and I mean yeah. obviously there's big dollars at stake here. I mean there's billions and billions and lots of lawyers who will go to work and figure out what the next loophole is for that. And and privacy is is important, but I also think it's you know, I mean there there is a perk of the relevancy of Facebook kind of knowing your interests to give you relevant content. I mean, the whole Facebook platform is based on being able to serve you relevant content, relevant ads. Google's obviously based on that. I mean, I think companies using that data to make better decisions and make better products. I mean, I don't know if that stuff goes away. Like, I don't know what you're left with in terms of digital ads. Like, you're just going to see Fortune 500 companies on Facebook or something. Brent, I think that is probably the future because they may be the only ones that can really afford massive advertising. And then smaller businesses, I think, will still buy into it, but they'll probably buy less of it because they may not be able to track some of their effectiveness. Again, this is a really... And, and a not, new- not, yeah. And not to get into like a, a debate on, on that whole thing, but I do feel like like Facebook, at least for me as a business, I mean, it democratized advertising to some extent, right? I can I can create very scalable campaigns. I can meet... I can put my message in front of, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of, of eyes for not that much money, you know? I mean, I guess the trade-off is that Facebook knows, you know, every time you go to the bathroom and, you know, how many times you go to the grocery store every week and, you know, they know all that stuff, which maybe they shouldn't know. I don't know. But I, I do feel like there's been a big benefit to small businesses. I mean, you bring, and you use a good term, like the democratization. Like in the past, it would be... Uh, very expensive for any size business to reach a lot of, you know, people. And, um, you know, we do have to look at the scale, I think, or the size of some of these companies and the offerings that they do have. You also have to look at the fact that there's a lot more, I guess, you know, call to action marketing in some of the products. You know, it's it's not even just a matter of general awareness. That's really good that companies are doing that. But there's also, I think, for a number of verticals, the ability for people to click to sign up or register for something, to buy something. And in a lot of different areas too, I think there's a tendency, Brent, where we're like, oh, you know, that's really good when it comes to retail. But, you know, ask the insurance industry how important that's been to them as well. I mean, when we look for insurance, there's the ability to swipe up and start right away comparing what you might need and then saying, okay, this is the, this is what I'm going to go with. I mean, I bought travel insurance just this past week in a matter of like an hour. Why is that? You know, how's that possible? Again, to your point that Facebook advertising has served up very relevant things to me based on what my browser search history might be. So these are, there's a lot there that we're going to have to take in in a very short period of time in the next couple of years in terms of what we're going to have to unlearn and relearn uh, in the digital advertising space. I, you know, I, I don't know what it's going to look like. There's tons of articles on like what the post cookie landscape is going to be. I don't know if we're certain of what that what what that is just yet. Yeah. Well, so so what are the you know you kind of talked about these converging roles like marketing and sales, you know, the producer and the editor, and and even to that extent, right, the talent, right. I mean, if you look at some of these right. people that are you know they're they're the talent, they're the they're the they're editor, they're they're doing they're doing the whole thing. And I know that when it comes to 
performance marketing, when it comes to, you know, direct response marketing, you know, it's very different than like really uh, high-end like Super Bowl ads, right? Or, or whatever, right? I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. usually when you, you, you kind of go through um, direct response funnels, right? Some of them don't really look very good or, you know, when you're, when businesses are advertising to other businesses, like maybe the creative department got the short straw and they didn't, you know, they're like, Hey, let's just get somebody on Fiverr to like throw together like a, a, a graphic, right? We can, we've got, you know, a $25,000 ad spend budget, but if somebody could just please create a graphic for $4, I think we'd be in a good place. I mean, is that, is, is that changing? Yeah, that is changing. I'm actually seeing more companies realize that their creative uh, is becoming very important. I've just had a number of calls in the last month of 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 not just big companies, but mid-sized startups who are like, we have not put enough emphasis on our creative in our performance uh, campaigns, and we want to switch that. And I'll and I'll ask them, you know, what what do you plan on switching? And they'll say, you know, everything from the copy that we do to the imagery that we use to the formats that we use. I mean, if you think about it, Brent, there's there's not just templatized formats that that we can use on a lot of these platforms. There's there, there's a lot of different dynamic creative that can be used with interesting imagery, interesting video, lots of different things that could that could happen there. And that's now I'm starting to see much more of that happen. Uh, where people are asking those questions, hey, we've done it this way for a while and it's worked and our targeting's been good, but we're now starting to see things slow down. What's you know what's happening, you know, Jeff? Hey, look, this is a stock photo. This looks like everybody else's. What's your color psychology of your ad? What Jeff? What do you mean color psychology? You never <laughs> even heard of that. You know, this copy is uh, has nothing in it that makes any urgency. You've obviously given it to somebody who's wordsmithed it, who's made it way too long, hasn't simplified it, hasn't given it, you know, hasn't used words like revolutionized. Uh, you know, there, there's certain words that really pull. I mean, these are basics, I think, that go back to, and I hate to say it because I'll probably get a lot of, you know, people saying he's wrong here. The mad men era or mad woman era, the one that basically David Ogilvy defined, is still an important area. It's just that what ended up happening is math snuck in, which was also important. And the pendulum basically swung from one end to the other. And now it's coming to the middle where re we finally are realizing we need a hybrid connected tissue of both. We need the mad men, mad women who are basically doing creative things to, to work with the math men and math women to figure out what's working best in sort of the area that we're in right now, that has caught a lot of companies off guard. I, th I think especially with the fact that we were moving in that direction to begin with, but now the pandemic basically has hit the fast forward button and a lot of companies are realizing what we've done in performance doesn't really work as much as it did the last you know decade. You throw on top of the fact that we're moving to a post-cookie environment, that Apple doesn't allow tracking on iOS. You know, Brent, this is a whole new environment that requires a new way of thinking with new interesting people. I sometimes don't know if the leadership in advertising even knows what's, you know, what's caught them by surprise when they still think like, hey, we can sort of use all the things we've used the last decade to be effective. I question a lot of that. Um, you know, and I question that only because I think like we have to sort of think a little bit different out there and on, on on moving forward in the 2020s 
um, on what's available to us. I mean, even if you look at the other aspect, I mean, nobody even saw TikTok coming. And the thing, interesting thing about TikTok compared to Facebook and some of the other platforms out there is it's a much more realistic platform. So I talk to creatives all the time and I look at some of the things they want to do there and I'm like, your targeting's way off. And also, guess what? This doesn't look real at all. It looks totally scripted. It's not going to work. That's very hard for a lot of creatives and performance types to get their head around. I honestly don't know if we have the right people who are in some of the positions that they're in right now. But again, I'll probably get you know in trouble for saying that. Hey, what's up, agency owners? I want to tell you about one of my favorite white label partners, E2M. They can help with all your website design, web development, SEO, and content needs for your client projects. This includes WordPress, WooCommerce, Shopify, BigCommerce, Webflow, Duda, SiteGlide, custom PHP applications, and much more. Have peace of mind when it comes to your outsourcing needs. Let E2M become an extension of your team so you can grow and scale how you want. Check them out today at E2MSolutions.com. That's E, the number two, M, solutions.com. All right, back to our show. Well, I've, I've been amazed just at the and i like that that idea of the real like it's real like is it real enough versus is it is it scripted cuz i think there's that like in even in agencies it's a problem right you have the designer then you have the yep. developer then you have the copywriter you know then you have the ad yep. person right and they're all kind of like moving this this thing along this conveyor belt right and yep. and and you get people who you know are making beautiful work but then the performance of it isn't like like beautifully designed doesn't necessarily mean it's going to get conversions, right? And then you've got, got you've got agencies that are just hardcore conversion oriented, but it still feels like we're still in these like lanes. I mean, I've definitely seen it with like yeah. video. Like I, I'm into to BMX, and what I've noticed it's a very young sport, so I get to be on Instagram, and you know I'm an old man, and I'm watching all these young kids produce all this content, and it's like. I mean, first of all, they're producing massive amounts of content. These are people that are like, like it goes even, it's not even like tech native. They just like, like they came out, like they graduated like kindergarten. Yes. And they started like producing and editing their own videos, right? It's like, I'll be watching people that are like eight years old or whatever. And they're, they're filming their own, they're, they're amazing at BMX. They're, they're doing their own cuts. They're scripting their own videos and, you know, and they're doing it daily. They're getting in like yes. a rep or two or three a day uh, on video production, right? I mean, what about, so, so I see that on, on a lot of the talent areas, whether it's BMX or, you know, gymnastics or whatever, like TikTok dance videos, right? Where they're getting in a lot of reps. Like how can other parts of the marketing machine, like advertising designers, developers, right? Like where can yeah. they start to create those opportunities for conversion where they can be, you know, the talent, the designer, the developer be kind of multifaceted? Because I'm sure they've been told their whole life that they should specialize, specialize, specialize. But I think we're starting to yeah. see those, those combined roles really succeed well. I mean, you hit the nail right on the head, those combined roles. And let's just, let's also be honest here. Not everyone can be everything at once, but the smarter people say, I'm weak in this area. This person's good. I want to work, you know, much more in tandem with them. Because as you've noted, you know, Brent, it's it's really more of like a, a manufacturing sort of uh, factory makeup. This department did this. Now it'll go to this silo. And then it'll go to this silo. And then it'll go to this silo. And then by the time it's out in the world, the the first initial group that worked on it 
doesn't even can't even weigh in on it anymore. It's already out there and it's sort of doing what's necessary. It's got all the sign off and and and, and approvals. And it's just not good work because of the fact that it is all siloed as it goes along. It becomes almost like designed by committee instead of sort of the collaborative manner, as you noted, where you may have people who say, hey, I'm a maker, but I'm also really into the you know artistic side of marketing. But I also understand there's a business impact that has to showcase from this. We can't just go and make art. There has to be something that sort of draws it back to the, the impact level. And we're starting to see that more. We're starting to definitely see that more with the people who are out there because you know, if you think about it, a maker, someone who produces something, a creator, they're not just doing it for the sake of like, hey, I make really cool art and people look at it. They're also like, there's a lot of business impact aspect of the work that they do. So I think actually what the creator economy is doing right now is it's going, it's flipping the entire advertising model on its head because it's basically saying, we don't necessarily need the constructs that you had. We have all these data dashboards in front of us. We can see how things are performing. We can see what works and we can go back and map it up and do it in a way that's more algorithmically quicker with faster pace than some of the bigger companies that might be out there saying like, you know, we're going to do things the way that we've always done them. And we're going to take a really long time to do them. And by the time they actually get to market, they don't really matter as much as they did at, uh, one time. I think the, the perception that I have toward you know bigger companies right now is 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 younger generations already have a sentiment that they don't need those companies to do what they want to do. And I don't know if that really rises up to many of the boardrooms or the shareholders out there. But if they knew really how most people thought and the actions that they're taking and the materials that they use and everything else they do to put together what they construct. I mean, I think it would really be eye-opening for 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 many of them. So those are the things that we have to look at in terms of like what's happened in the in the marketing space and how that will continue to uh, you know change and develop over time. I, I I think TikTok really has been sort of a revolution that maybe was needed. I mean, I'm I'm into sort of all the different platforms that are out there, but when you have a duopoly, I, I don't know. I think it's good to sort of shake things up. And I think it's just it's so beautiful of what they've been able to do. I mean, I know there was there was some other similar platforms. I mean, Vine and some other short form video platforms. It really just didn't create that. Like it was like they were they had most of the stuff in the dish, but they were just like missing this like little bit of lightning that just ended up hitting with TikTok. And uh, and hopefully, yeah, hopefully more of them get created, and and maybe Meta will fall flat on their face with the metaverse and. You know, make some mistakes. We haven't seen a big, a big tech company in that way truly crash and burn. I don't think they will, but you know, no, I, we'll I don't. I don't think so either. I mean, there was a good article I think that came out this past week in the Atlantic that was on you know big, uh, big tech and sort of like their weaknesses, and the and the writer looked at like each area that you know, you know, if those companies did falter, you know, you're not looking at a company going out of business. That's another sort of. Uh, bad narrative that's out there, but it's more of like a company not being as big or relevant as it as it was at one time. I mean, obviously, we've seen this in a number of different industries over the last century, and I think that's what they were getting at with this article: is like, hey, could it be possible that one day, you know, Apple or Microsoft or Amazon or one of these big companies isn't as relevant as they are right now? Anyone who's like, oh no, they'll only continue to get big, 
hasn't really looked at business history. A lot of companies that sure. we thought would be really big at the beginning of the last century, they're no longer around because there's not as much of a need for them. And yes, there's a need for technology, but you know, Brent, how we use it always changes. And also the new makers of it might force that change as well. I mean, there's there's a lot of things we can imagine and develop, you know, and 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 sort of bring to market that um you know, some companies don't necessarily want to be acquired and want to continue to grow, which is what we're seeing a lot of. Um, that that's a thorn in a lot of these, you know, companies' sides. So I, I welcome, I think, the differentiation out there in the marketing space now. More channels, more tools, more creativity, more data. There's nothing wrong with that. I think it makes our our field wide open for experimentation, which was sorely lacking you know, in, in much of the, the latter 2010s. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think there's a, a brave new future, uh, in our, in our ahead of us. And, uh, Jeffrey, it's been a lot of fun jamming with you on this. Do you have time to stick around for our lighting round? I do. Yeah. What is the best advice you've ever received? Don't take yourself too seriously. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? Uh, I'm really into boxing. Boxing, as we know, you know, has six combinations, one, two, three, four, five, six, and then different sort of weaves and flows. That's why they call it the sweet science. But there's an art to it as well. And I think that's sort of what I've applied to marketing as well, that art and science. Anybody who says marketing is all an art, don't listen to them. Anybody who says marketing is all a science, don't listen to them either. Listen to the people who say it's an art and a science. Can you share an internet resource, a tool, or app that you find value, valuable that you think our listeners would enjoy? Yeah, you know, I, I really love um, direct-to-garment manufacturing. So uh, I've used Printful, which is a great company out of North Carolina. You can come up with designs. You can print them uh, uh, to a garment. You can ship them anywhere. You can use the API to connect it to a Shopify storefront or an Etsy store. Um, that has really opened up uh, the ability for me to express my artistic side of like designing T-shirts, which I've done for a lot, uh, a lot of years, into something that I don't have to buy like tons and tons of stock. It can just basically be made when someone orders something. And what book would you recommend, and why? I mean, I think I'll go back to you know Ogilvy on advertising. I think that's sort of the classic. Uh, but if it, oh, actually, you know what? A, a better one. It's more up to date. Creative Quest by uh, Quest Love, who is the drummer of the Roots. He sort of explains his process of how he goes through sort of creative execution. I thought that book was really, really good for anybody who's tasked with, you know, uh, developing your ideas, but then also executing on those ideas. Which you know, Brent is everybody in the 21st century. <laughs> Yeah, as, we, as we've talked about today. So we will link out to Ogilvy on ads as well as Creative Quest by Quest Love as well as some other takeaways, gold nuggets from today's episode over on our show notes page at yougurus.com forward slash podcast. So if you listen to this out on a run or drive around town or like me riding your bike, check out yougurus.com slash podcast. You'll see Jeffrey's photo up there. Week of, click on him and you'll see all those takeaways and resources. Jeffrey, how can people find out more about you? Is there anything that you have that they can check out? 
Yeah, I mean, you can check out uh, my book from 2016 that I still think is pretty interesting or relevant. It's called uh, Disruptive Marketing, What Growth Hackers, Data Punks, and Other Hybrid Thinkers Can Teach Us About Navigating the New Normal. I, you know, Some people who've read it are like, how the hell did you know what some things were going to happen? Uh, a lot of it's studying the past because you usually see things past remixed for the future. Uh, and then I post a lot on LinkedIn and I'm pretty active on on Twitter. So, you know, if you want to reach me there, feel free to to reach out. I'm always open for communicating and dial uh communication and dialogue. Very cool. Well, we will link out to all of the resources that you have for our listeners, your book, your LinkedIn, your Twitter as well as your jeffreycolone.net website. So if you all want to internet stock Jeffrey and learn a little bit more about him and what he's been up to at, at Microsoft and also his career and his thoughts on marketing and marketing technology and performance marketing and brand, uh, check out our show notes page and we'll have all that stuff in one place. Jeffrey, thanks for stopping by the program today. Thank you. Great to chat with you. And that's it for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, if you want that free ebook on how to scale to multiple six and seven figures, all you got to do is DM me on Facebook the word gift at Brent Weaver and I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in your business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver.